I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Mr. Jenkins told me. Mr. Jenkins told me. Mr. Jenkins told me to always make it easy for the customer. That's you. A live person will always be here to answer the phone. We're here till midnight, seven days a week. So you never have to take off work. And it's the same price as in the daytime. We're the ones you want to call. We're the ones you want to call. We're the ones you want to call. You're going to love these people. I guarantee it. Go to MorrisJenkins.com. It's time for the Happy Half Hour with your friends, Kristen Balboni, Miles Simmons, and Will Bryan. That's right. It's that time of the week. It's the Happy Half Hour podcast presented by Morris Jenkins, Kristen, and Will in the in the regular radio area where we record. And Miles in the booth of shame today. What's up, Miles? I, you know what? I really deserve to be in the booth of shame today. Not only uh, did I, you know, quote weird Macklemore lyrics last week and reference Brick and Morty, but I was definitely late. So that's what happens. You get put in the booth of shame. <laughs> no, it's okay. We've all been running around. Uh, that's what training camp is. That's what this time of year is as we're gearing up and as wild as everyone's schedules are right now. Will, it's nice to have this busyness and to have football. We saw football on our TVs last night. We're all running around like crazy gearing up for a season, so it's nice to have some sense of normalcy. Yeah, it was nice just to actually come in the stadium today. You know, I, I actually have to hop off here before the show's going to be finished. But, you know, Ooh, last big night. big time. You know, oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> big timing, you guys. You know, if Miles was on, I'm just kidding. Um, well, no, you're not. <laughs> I, I was working on something else, and then I lost track of time, and that's why. It, so, it's crazy, it as Kristen said. Um, but last night, you know, we, we had the uh, Panthers practice all access. I got to to watch it from home, um, seeing it on, on, on the big screen, watching, you know, some aerial shots of the stadium. It felt good to, to watch the Panthers on TV again. Um, it was it was really cool to kind of to see all of that from from the fans' perspective and 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 see this stadium lit up, you know, it's felt so so long. Um, but obviously, you know, Kristen, you were a big part of that broadcast. Miles, you were here last night. Um, what were the things that that you guys took away outside of the fact that it was really loud? Yeah, well, that was one of the biggest things I I took away. So for anyone who didn't watch, uh, I was on the sideline for the broadcast, doing interviews with the players and coaches. 
And, of course, the, the noise was a, a big thing, the fan noise that they were pumping in, um, which I want to get to. But I do just want to kind of walk everyone through the process of me getting to be on the field because there's a lot of stuff about who can be around players and coaches, how far away you have to be from them, et cetera, et cetera. And so there are these tiers. And for the most part, Miles and I are um, not allowed to, to be very close to the players at all. You know, we are in a part of the building where they can't be. And so we have to, you know, see them from a distance and cover them from a distance. So yesterday for this broadcast, I was moved up into what's called Tier 2, which means you can be closer to the players. You can be six feet away from them. You still have to be safe. But you can move within the same circles that the players are moving in. And it was just for a day because that Tier 2 space is very, very small per NFL rules. Tier 1 is the team. Tier 2 are, you know, it's a lot of people like GM Marty Herney or doctors uh, there's some communication staff to make sure that the players all get to their media obligations. So it was very small, and I was very lucky to get to be a part of that for one night because that's the first time I've met a lot of the players and coaches in person. Um, so that was great. Uh, as we go into the season, the NFL has released rules on sideline reporters that they will not be on the field for the season. We'll get to be in what's going to be called a moat, and I think that's the first row from a what moat. I understand. Yeah. So I'm going to be oh, the moat fun. reporter, not sideline reporter. Wow. But media, like a certain that. amount of media will get to be in this first row, almost like an operational zone, which is still great. Uh, great access, great view. But that's probably the only time that I will be on the field at all this season. So it was a, a cool moment for me. And, of course, a lot of work went into uh, making sure that it was done safely. And there was a lot of operational stuff, a lot of COVID testing. So I was very glad that it all worked out and that I was allowed to have that access for that one night. Um, but yeah, the, the noise was the big thing for me. I don't know, Will, how it sounded on TV, and I would love to find that out. But they had it pumping in at the NFL prescribed decibel, I guess. And it, it is quite loud, um, which is good. You yeah. know, it's it's good. It definitely adds to the vibe there, the energy there. But it is it was a learning curve trying to make sure that, you know, I wasn't yelling into my microphone, which I'm sure I was at a certain point. But then you have to be a certain amount right. of distance away from the players and coaches. And so they're like, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. I got that at least seven times <laughs> last night, which is, I mean, it's all, you know, everyone is doing their best. And it was fun and everyone had a good time with it. So there's a lot that we learned about this this whole other layer of making sure that you could do all this stuff. But honestly, even just the fact that we were able to do it and in the midst of everything going on in a safe manner was really cool. And I also want to say, and Miles, I would love to hear from you about this. And I don't know how it came across on TV, Will. I thought the energy in the stadium, it's weird to talk about energy when there's, when no, there, when there's no one there. Mm-hmm. But with the music going, as Will said, with the lights going, the fake crowd noise, um, it didn't feel it didn't feel terrible no, in there. It, the it, energy was pretty high if you can say that. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it was kind of, it's I think weirder to hear that fake crowd noise when you're at the practice field because when you're I at agree. the stadium It sounds kind of like white noise at the practice field. Right. But when you're at the stadium it's kind of like, okay, there's somebody shouting from like the 500 section. You can't really make out what it is that they're saying, but you think that there's somebody shouting up there. But you intellectually know that there's nobody else in the stadium. But I think that just that feeling of, oh, yes, you hear some ambient noise. Yes, there are people around. It makes you think that there are people around even though there aren't. And so I think what you were saying about the energy is absolutely true. I mean, I noticed players were dancing. They were really getting into it before everything started. And 
Matt Rule has talked about this. The, the the team that creates its own energy the best is probably going to be the one that wins games this year because you're probably not going to have crowds in most places that you're playing. So if the Panthers can keep that same energy, as the kids say, throughout the course of the season, then they might be in good shape. I think that's such a good point about bringing your own juice, and we've heard that a lot from players in their press conferences and, as you said, Miles, Matt Rule, but really getting to see the players – in that environment last night, they are so locked in. And that's something we all know, but I think sometimes we in the media can create these narratives of like, how's it going to affect the players if there are no fans there? Things like that where we say, we can't imagine a a world in which they can play at that same intensity or they feed off the crowd. And certainly that that is the case in some instances, but they're so locked in. They are so locked in, and it really kind of speaks to their – um, ability and professionalism that you have to think that's how it is all the time. They block everything out. That's what they're good at to play the game at this extraordinary level. And I definitely got that sense last night. Now, do I think the energy would have been uh, much better if fans were were there? Absolutely. Of course. Of course, the players want the fans to be there and help them out. But I was really impressed, like Miles said, of they brought their own energy, and we all have to think that they'll be able to do that all season if there are no fans allowed there. And honestly, until the you saw the drone shots with the actual empty seats I, I couldn't tell yeah you really can't tell on tv that there's anything different until you see like there's literally no one there i mean i couldn't i couldn't tell that it felt loud until joe brady came to talk to you <laughs> and you could literally see him from the one angle like lean in like i can't hear you hear thing. you know and mm-hmm. like from from the tv it sounded like because obviously you're talking to the mic he's talking to the mic every everyone's mic sounds great but then he's just like, I can't hear you. Mm-hmm. You know, it, like you could, I could just feel like the, the, the frustration or just like the, you know, through it. It was like, man, you know, I wish you could get because it looks from the angle, it looks like you guys were closer than you actually were because of like the angled shot, like over kind of right. the shoulder. It looked like you were right next to each other. And then they showed another shot. And it's like, wow, you guys are really six, seven feet apart. You know, magic of television. It's incredible. Well, Gotta like, hit them angles, baby. If you think about it, you know, six feet is the height of. Uh, an average or slightly taller than average guy. It's not that far away. It's a good distance to do an interview from um, if you have to have these guidelines if it's quiet. Mm-hmm. It's just that I think it speaks more to how loud it was there than how far apart we were. Yeah. Uh, if they had, And they did a couple times bring the crowd noise down the entire way uh, so that we could hear each other. So, you know, it, it all works. Um, but I, I, I like the crowd noise, actually. I really do. I have to say, though, I, I did hear one, like you said, it's kind of ambient noise. But we were at the practice field last week, Miles, and I just heard, you know, you can't really hear too much. You hear, you know, ah, ah, whatever. I heard this one woman go, whoa, yeah, <laughs> yes. just in the middle of it. And yes. I was like, who, A, who recorded that? And B, I should have been asked to do that. Like, hey, just give us a big woo, yeah, you know. Or I'm sure, you know, I'm sure it was taken from previous games, but I was like, she just, you know, that was her time to shine, and she did. Well, I have one question for you guys, since the we got so unlucky by literally seconds that, you know, we had to go to commercial right before the, the field goal. So what happened at the end of the practice? I will be honest, I could not see it, Miles. Oh, we'll just let it live in mystery. No. <laughs> <laughs> he, Sly made the field goal. Yeah. I, I thought so, but the, my angle was the, off. Yeah, he made the field goal at the end of the game, or the end of the drill, the two-minute drill. And nice. So the offense won. Mr. Jenkins told me. Mr. Jenkins told me. Mr. Jenkins told me to always make it easy for the customer. That's you. A live person will always be here to answer the phone. We're here till midnight, seven days a week. 
so you never have to take off work. And it's the same price as in the daytime. We're the ones you want to call. We're the ones you want to call. We're the ones you want to call. You're going to love these people. I guarantee it. Go to MorrisJenkins.com. Do you hear something? Overheard. So we're about to hear from Will Greer, who spoke this weekend um, about what he learned last year. But, uh, you know, after we, we talked last week about Teddy Bridgewater talking about to his backup quarterbacks about being ready and being honest about how he wasn't ready in that game where he had to come in in Los Angeles and, you know, and the Saints lost and then he was ready for the next five. Absolutely. That was the that was the biggest adjustment for me last year is just learning how to handle day in and day out. Again, me against me. That was something that I failed miserably at last year. Um, but I think that's where you make the biggest jumps is learning from your failures. And, and, and I failed last year at that. I, I mean, straight up was bad at, um, at being a backup. Um, and like I said, I learned a lot from it and, uh, you know, feel more ready to go this year. I think it was so refreshing and so incredible to hear Will be so honest about what he was really going through last year. Here's a guy that was an all-star in you know North Carolina high school football. You know went and had a you know big career. You know after transferring to West Virginia, and all of a sudden he has to be the backup, the the number three quarterback. He's not even dressing on on Sundays, and all of a sudden he's thrust in there into a starting role at the end of the season. And you know for him to be really honest about his preparation, about the way he went through it, and now to be like that's not going to happen again. You know, and I think that that speaks volumes about who he is and what this team and this culture and you know the the quarterbacks Teddy Bridgewater, you know the offense coordinator Matt Rule, like all of them coming together of like this is not just Will, this is everybody. Everyone has to be ready this year, and I I think that was a really really nice honest take on 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 growing and learning. Yeah, I appreciated how candid he was, and as you said, Will, it started with Teddy last week. Um, just everyone just being honest about their own journey. And I, I really appreciated Will coming in and saying, yeah, I was not up to, to my own standard last year and I wasn't ready, uh, but that's what I've been working on. And it wasn't good enough. And here I am working every day. I worked all off season to be ready for that opportunity when um, when the time presents itself. I absolutely love that. The, the interesting thing I think about these quarterbacks right now is just how candid that they've been. And, Will, you just mentioned it, right? Like We heard from Teddy Bridgewater the same sort of thing last week, and now we hear the kind of thing from uh, the backup quarterback in Will Greer. So I think it'll be interesting to see how this thing progresses and how these guys are able to function as quarterbacks. All right, we got to say goodbye to Will now. He's off to a, a big meeting, leaving us here in our little podcast in the dust. It was nice to have you while he's laughing Jeez. at me. Nice to have you Jeez, while we could. Our next soundbite that we really liked this week is from Shaq Thompson. And Miles, Shaq gets asked a lot how he's going to either step into the the void created by the absence of Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis or how he's going to try to assume that role or how he's going to play without them there um, and what that means for him. And I really loved his answer to the media this week. He said, look, I just got to be me. I just got to lead by example. That's what Luke did. Luke wasn't a rah-rah guy, but when he needed to speak up, his presence was felt. And um, that's kind of how I followed in the same way behind him. But me and Luke had a little conversation. I'm like, I'm not TD. I'm not Luke. I'm Shaq. So he told him to go out there, be Shaq, play like Shaq. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go play like Shaq. I think when players talk about authenticity, 
um, and being genuine. That is some of the most important things that you can have with leadership. And so when uh, Shaq is talking about the fact that he can't be those other players, he has to be himself, I think that speaks to a level of maturity that he has. Because sometimes when people are leaders, they just want to go out and imitate the people that they've seen before. But you have to be able to take what you've seen and know some things are going to work that those other people used to do. And some things are just not going to work because I am not those people. So you have to be authentic and and genuine to yourself in what it is that you're doing. And I really like that Shaq has the maturity to know that. Yeah. And speaking of authenticity, um, I just have to say this. So I got to talk to Teddy in person for the first time yesterday. And I think this is something that we all know and can sense over uh, the, the media Zooms or our conversations with him, even though they're not in person or seeing him out on the field. But boy, boy, is he a magnetic person. Mm. And you get why he uh, is the leader of this team. And so much of, of that is his authenticity. And we talked about that a little bit earlier in the episode with what he talked about with the quarterbacks and how that led to Will Greer being authentic this week. And we just talked about it with Shaq. And as you said, it's such a, an important component of leadership. But in the excitement of, of last night and talking about everything going on with the Fan Fest and then getting to our favorite sound bites, I almost forgot. Yeah, I got to interview Teddy in person for the first time yesterday. And I, I just want to say I get it. I yeah. absolutely get it. What, what is it? I mean, because I've not had the chance, unfortunately, yeah. as strange as it is, to actually have a conversation with him in person. It's hard to it's hard to explain. Uh, it's, it's just the it thing. It's he's got the it thing, and it's a very quiet, direct confidence. Mm-hmm. I would say. I think that that's it. There's a lot of confidence there. There's a lot of yeah. It's it. What do I? What can I say? It's well, it. He carries himself like a QB one, right? Like that's and I think across the league, I've talked to former players about this. I've talked to current players about this. You know it when you see it, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost, not to do this, but it's almost like the Supreme Court standard for pornography. Right. You, you know it when you see it. Yep. You know? So it's one of those things where you can walk into a room and sometimes you can pick out, if you know nothing about mm-hmm. what the team is, you can pick out, oh, that guy's the leader. Mm-hmm. If you're walking around the Carolina Panthers, and we can see this even from afar at practice, you know that guy's the leader. Yeah. They don't need to have numbers. They don't need to have jerseys and whatever. You know, the quarterbacks wouldn't necessarily need to wear green. You can just tell, yeah, that guy is the leader. And I think when you have that, that's the foundation that you can then build upon. And it can come across in different ways, right? You can identify who the leader is and, and one person might be over the top and mm-hmm. uh, or one, might, one person might be giving those big speeches. And I didn't get a lot of that from Teddy, but... He, he listens to everything you have to say. He answers questions by really thinking about them. He's very direct and authentic, as as we said. And I just see that going. I mean, I probably spent three minutes with him, but I can see how that gets the other guys to buy in. Sure. You know, he's A, he's the most competitive. Um, he's going to study the hardest. He was out there for, an, what, an hour and a half after the practice was over mm-hmm. last night. So he's setting that example He's reaching out. I mean, he took the time to listen to my questions and really thoughtfully respond. So I just pictured that with all of those guys that he was building the relationship with over text in the offseason. Right. You know, actually genuinely caring about his teammates, trying to to make them better, trying to implement Joe Brady's concepts with those guys like a Robbie Anderson when they were doing um, their own form of, of training down in Miami together. You just really see, 
you really see the leadership come through in a in a very small amount of time. I was like, oh yeah, I I got it, right. I got it here. Right. Well, especially I mean, look, if you can see it in that short amount of time, imagine what he's doing with all the that's, players he's spending that much time around. That's my point. Um, I think it really came through, and so I was like, oh, I get why all of these players immediately flocked to him and and wanted to be a part of this thing that that he's taking over now. Makes so, sense. Yeah. Um. So talking about a fan fest and and everything we learned, we of course want to share uh, undoubtedly the most important soundbite of the week with you, and that was at the beginning of the broadcast. I had Coach Rule on, and I started to to ask him about this practice, and he said, "You know, thank you for asking me that question, but I want to address the social unrest that's going on in our country right now and uh, how the Panthers are handling it as a team." And this is what he said. I, I think I have to take this opportunity. You know, today I had a chance to, to talk with some of the, the members of our team um, following the, you know, the, 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 shoot, the, the, the Jacob Blake shooting. And, and there's a lot of raw emotion and hurt and anger on our team. Um, you know, I think a lot of our guys wanted to make sure that, you know, they wanted to stand with the NBA as the NBA has made the decision that, you know what, today is a day to step back and stop. Um, in the end, in talking to our guys, I think they felt like, um, they want to do something impactful here moving forward and, and come together and, and, and really do something that, that, that makes a change because something has to change. And, um, you know, we, we thought about all the kids in Charlotte, you know, some, some of whom aren't going to school right now, the virtual school, and looking forward to seeing these, these guys play. And our guys made the decision to come out here and play. But I just want to say this, for me as a, as a white American male to hear from some of our players about the, the, the numbness, the, the rage, the perpetual anger, the fear. Um, I think all of us have to take a minute and, 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 and think about what's going on in our country and, and listen. And um, I listen today, and, and, but it's time to take action as well. And so um, I, I'll, I'll choose to stand with our players as we move forward and do something really impactful. But uh, tonight they felt like it was, it was uh, the best thing to come out here and, and practice and, and show uh, the Carolina Panthers fans what they've been doing because they've been working really hard. So, Miles, that was how he began our interview, and I didn't know it was coming. Um, but I, I really, really appreciated him starting things off with that because it is incredibly important. And I appreciated him sharing with everyone the conversations that were going on with the team because, from from what I heard, it was a it was a big, very emotional conversation that they had before coming out to practice. Yeah, and that makes sense. I, I think. Where we are as a country right now is an inflection point, and I think we could have said that a couple months ago, and I think we yeah. thought we were at that point a couple months ago, but then things like this keep happening. And when I say this, I, I mean um, police shooting a man seven times in the back. And so as a black American man, myself, when you continue to see these things happening, it's it's so disheartening and it is so frustrating. And I think it's hard sometimes to concentrate. Um, and Tiger Whitehead gave voice to that after practice. And he said, you know, when he was asked how hard is it to focus on practice today, I've got what he said in front of me. We don't necessarily have that audio because uh, it was over a virtual press conference. But he said it, it, it's extremely hard. And it's because a lot of us, we have children, we have younger cousins, siblings, family members, and we know that it can easily be one of them at any point in time. It can easily be one of us. And then constantly 
having every time on the news something like this happens, I'm showing my 12-year-old, my 6-year-old, even down to my 3-year-old what exactly is going on in this country. I'm having to conduct, and I'm excuse me, and I'm having to talk to them about how to conduct yourself when you encounter law enforcement. I think it's just downright wrong to have that have that conversation with your children because you feel like they're targeted when they go out into society and in this country and in the world. So that's what the players have on their minds, and I think we all need to understand that at this point in time, it's hard for them to know. What exactly is the right thing to do? And I think when you see the NBA players striking, as they did, um, and starting with the Milwaukee Bucks, and you got to give them a lot of credit because this is basically happening in their backyard, and then it extends to the rest of the games yesterday, and as of right now as we're recording this, we're not necessarily sure exactly what's going to happen with the rest of the NBA season, but I think what Taylor White said said that was really interesting. Taylor White had said that was interesting is, you know, he doesn't necessarily know what it means, what the players are going to do later. You know, they could they strike? He said he didn't want to say yes, he didn't want to say no. So we have to continue to think about what it is that the players are really trying to express, and that's that police brutality is wrong. Social injustice is wrong. Racism is wrong. And there is no middle ground on this. You know, it's a, it's a question of right and wrong, and I think we have to be able to understand that. And um, yeah, it, it's like I said, I, I don't want to make this about me, but it, on a personal note, it, it's it's hard, it's frustrating, and it's sad. And I think that when you see what happens to one person, and then you see another person go out, a white seventeen year old go out and allegedly murder two people in the street. And then get to drive all the way home to Illinois before that person gets arrested the next day. That is, uh, it's frustrating, I think, to say the least. And it is disheartening. And it is, it, it, it's hard. It's hard to deal with and it's hard to think about. Um, yeah, it's hard. I appreciate you sharing all of that. Um, because you're right. I can't, all I can do is listen. I can't understand i can't put myself in in your shoes or anyone's shoes who who is black i I can't all we can do is listen um and i just want to know from you have you been heartened by the stance that athletes have taken over the last few days or hearing tire talk uh the way he did yesterday yes um i think it's great what these players are doing, both in the NBA and in the NFL and Major League Baseball. They went on strike in in some places. Um, But I think at the same time, it's also, why are we asking our athletes to do this because our elected officials won't do the things that we believe that they need to do in order to create a truly just society? And I don't think it's fair a lot of times that the players have to do what they have to do. Right? I, I, I just don't think it's fair that players really feel like they have to go on strike in order to, ma- in order to craft this message that what is going on is not okay. And I think that's a lot of pressure to put on athletes. And I think it's very commendable that they want to use their platform in order to shine these, shine a light on social injustice and racism and systemic racism and 
all these things that are happening in our country. But like I said, I, I don't think it's fair. And I think that we'll be better off once, once our elected officials and those that aren't elected um, do what they need to do to create a more just society. And we're not relying on our athletes to say, you're not listening to us. You're not hearing us in what it is that we want. And so because of that, we are going to stop playing. I don't think that that's fair. I agree. It's it's not. Um, but I am glad that they are doing it. Yes. So that Me too. we are Me too. having those conversations. And Miles, I really appreciate you having this conversation here and and giving us a, a little insight into how you're feeling and and how it is for you. And you know, I thought Tayer gave us a good insight into how he's feeling last night. And so I appreciate you doing that here with us today because again it's it's not fair that you have to um but i appreciate it and i think uh, unless you have any more final thoughts i think that this is a i don't want to say a good place to leave it um because no, it's, let's leave it there it's not right. good um yeah. but again i just really appreciate you you being honest ab- about what's going on because it is a, a microcosm of what's going on in the sports world right now and what's going on in our country so thank you so much getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets real steel offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024 see participating retailer for details If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.